episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on November the 19th, 2019. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the jovial and jubilant... And the caffeine rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we have played. We're going to be talking a bit about Google Stadia. There's a long list of games coming to Xbox Game Pass. Sonic the Hedgehog movie reveals its new, less awful design. We'll have our weekly community corner where we discuss community game night or movie night and a quick little letter from Ghost Shark and we'll have a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. What's shaking, Megan? Well, hopefully I'm not my recording track anymore. Had a little bit yep. of a audio glitch last time we recorded and I caught it this time because I was looking for it. So, that was fun. Indeed. But we've always got Craig in case something still goes wrong. Unless Craig goes wrong. That's true. Craig saved us last time. Although, I I mean, I could have made it work if there was, like, a huge issue. I could have went in and manually done the whole thing. That would have been a lot of work, though. Yeah, and that would be a lot more work than you're used to. Oh, yeah. What a strange something. It would be like in the olden days when we first started and I didn't know what I was doing. And it's like manually like cut out every single silence, all of them. Oh, the Aki uh, school of thought for uh, editing. Yeah. That does explain why you're able to do it in like five minutes. <laughs> I can I can edit the show typically in between, I don't know, 45 minutes and an hour. Yeah, when Boosters and Space Tape was still going on. Uh, he did a few streams where he was editing the show and it was meticulous, but it was also, you know, twice as many people as well. Yeah. So yeah, that's a thing. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this time we won't have to deal with additional audio shenanigans. We'll just have our own shenanigans. Indeed. I just got a message from Ghost on uh, Discord, making sure that we got his his letter. Aww. To which I responded, basically, yeah, we got it. Yeah. Hi, Ghost. Yeah, the the moth did not eat it. Nope. Not this time. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think our male mascot is Mothra, by the way. <laughs> I I approve of this. <laughs> I I approve hardcore. Hey, don't make it well weirder than usual. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um. Well, there's so, no way to tr- uh, transition uh, transition out of this. So let's just go immediately into games we played. Indeed, you have two. I have three. Are we going to alternate this week, or are you going to yeah, go? Yeah, we can. I'm going to go. Uh, Okie dokie. Uh, we can, because, uh, well, I've mostly been all hands on deck to play Celestial Command, and I have thoughts for that for probably two weeks from now, because we are delaying that a little yeah. bit. Uh, but 
uh, play Dissenters, which is the other downhill BMX racing game on Game Pass. <laughs> because I figured, what the hell? Let's try the other one and see how it is. Because uh, how different can they be? Turns out, very different. Dissenters, I would call it a roguelite. It's okay. procedurally generating the tracks. And it has that FTL map thing going on where you're trying to get to an end boss. Now, just wasn't good enough to get to it, but it was weird because I was not expecting one procedural generation, but two roguelike, uh, roguelike elements going on. So, uh, for those who did not catch it before, I did, uh, well, uh, it was the other BMX game that I'm blanking on now, but it was essentially you're racing down a mountain. And it's a static mountain, and each trail you progressively unlock. And it requires a lot of memorization, and it's in an isometric camera. This one is in a chase uh, third-person cam. And it's procedurally generated, so there's no memorization. It's just, you know, luck of the draw and your reflexes, which honestly feels a little less realistic. But it also is... A has a life system in it that kind of caught me off guard. So it allows you to wreck five times, but on each track, there's a, a secondary objective. And if you pull that secondary objective off, it adds one to your health meter, essentially. So it's a very, very odd thing. Plus the fact that as you progress through the map, you are also unlocking more of your crew and they essentially are running ahead of you and doing things like one will put more ramps on the track so that you can build up uh, your points to build up more experience. Uh, one will influence the map generation so that there's uh, like more uh, hills or it's a flatter. So it allows you to see more of the map. And there's also an equipment system that, I didn't get to experience that much because I didn't unlock anything because it requires beating the boss and I wasn't that good. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot more here than I was really expecting, which is part of the reason why I really like Game Pass. It allows me to try something that I would normally not drop 25 bucks on like it is on Steam right now and experience something a bit different. Overall, though, it's not a bad little game if you like downhill racing or you know, want something that's a little bit different. It is a little more heavily uh, focused on tricks and uh, sliding that I, than I really prefer. I'm never really preferred to have the, you know, the score-based racing. So, yeah, that's just not my thing. But it's not a bad little thing to try out, especially on Game Pass, like I said. Oh, uh, it's Lonely Mountain Downhill. It's uh, it's in the related games. Two v uh, very similar yet very very different games, huh? Yeah, I I like the sound of this one better than the other one. Yeah, this one, uh, like I said, it's a lot more of a roguelite. So it's a lot more of uh, relies on reflexes than memorization than uh, Lonely Mountain does. And also, there is a co-op mode to it. Uh, or a competitive mode, I guess I should say. So it could be a game night game. 
Is it head-to-head competitive, or uh, is it like a score uh, attack thing? Uh, I think it's uh, head-to-head competitive, but it's a score attack with ghosts. Gotcha. So, uh, so occasionally I would see other people on the mountain as well, and I'm not sure how they're handling that with the generation. But I would see them occasionally on my uh, sc- on my screen, and they would just you know go right through me. They wouldn't interact me w- with me at all. But it was interesting to see other people, which. It, well, I realize Lonely Mountain is yeah, lonely, but it's nice to see other people racing as well. And I'm pretty sure they weren't just uh, you know, you know, ghosts of previous runs. It seemed like they were actually interacting with me as well. Gotcha. And you said this was a Game Pass game. Yeah. Which is good. I might. I might check that out. Yeah, definitely. If there's some interest from people for game night, potentially, then I definitely would. But I might, I might check it out. Yeah, but like I said, it was a, that. it was a pretty interesting, yeah, looking game. So I saw it, saw it after playing Lonely Mountain. Yeah, we'll try the other downhill game and see how it is. I'm not convinced that it's worth twenty five bucks, but then again, yeah, I'm one that usually bounces between a lot of games and. Uh, racing games, if you're not really invested in them, you can fall off them pretty quickly. Yeah. That's, but, but this also has that roguelike element. So that's uh, kind of a double-edged sword in game design, really, because in, for some, it's uh, it's the tracks that lack that human touch, uh, you know, and that certain level of polish that computer generation just doesn't have yet. But then for others... It's, you know, unlimited levels. You know, it's, you're never going to see the same thing twice. I'm not 100% sur- sure where I come down on it just yet. I think for this one, uh, because the levels are overall pretty, sp- uh, pretty just, you know, sparse with, uh, it's essentially just downhill racing. So, you know, you have your, uh, your flats, your uh, ramps, uh, uh, some divots, that sort of thing. I don't think the human element really comes into play as much as it would for other racing genres. So I think this one I could get uh, uh, on board with it, you know, having essentially unlimited levels. Even if you know, the levels could be just, you know, different versions of the same downhill run. There's enough variance there. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure how they do modding on the Game Pass version because I do know that the Steam version does have a modding update, and I didn't look into that. So that is something that may be of added benefit on the Steam version side of things because I do see a couple of uh, mods here that in their highlights that makes it look like it's uh the. Uh, the game show Wipeout, you know, where they're over that lake. Yeah. Wipeout. Yeah, I'm seeing if... Uh, looks like the mods aren't available on Game Pass. So that is a downside of things, but it is, yeah, a... Uh, you know, it's five bucks. Yeah. So it's worth at least trying out there to see if you like the game overall. So, yeah. 
I would say it's worth at least checking out, especially if you already have Game Pass. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, well, the first game on my list is called Conduct Deluxe with an exclamation point. Uh, I got this for like 99 cents or maybe a little less during the last Steam sale. Oh boy. I saw it. It's a train puzzle game. And I was like, my kid, like this is a, a new game to play with my kid. And I've only played it once for like an hour. I mean, it's okay. Um, I'm glad I only paid 99 cents for it. The game's not like broken or terrible, but it's not the type of puzzle game that I like. Cause it's, in, instead of, you know, thinking your way through and coming up with like the right solution, it's like, you have to be really fast. You have to manage the tracks. You know, it's got the simple, like you click the arrow to make the train go one direction on the track or a different one. And then you have to click on the trains themselves to either start or stop them to potentially avoid obstacles like other trains or vehicles or, you know, keep them from running into each other or something like that. But in other games of this type that I've played previously, you do get to do things like you determine how many trains you're going to run at once. And there's not so much a time limit. It's, you know, if you get things done within a certain time limit, you get like bonuses and stuff. But in this, there is a time limit. And the, the longest timer I've had for a level has been something like two minutes. Well, um, I mean, there could be longer. I, I would say back. that's because of its port. Is it a mobile port? Yep. Makes sense. Uh, it was originally Conduct This. Uh, I see it on Android. It's free download. I'm not sure how they, uh, how the monetization works. There are, I wondered, I didn't think to look that up, but there are things that would definitely be loot boxes. Um, you just unlock them after completing, um, each yeah, sort of I'm level I'm not sure set. if I did a video on this, but I know I played it ages ago. But yeah, there's things that would be loot boxes for sure. And then there's definitely, I, I could see it having like energy bars or something like that. And then every level has a star rating. Mm -hmm. And you could probably just directly buy the coins that let you unlock the, the different tile sets. Because you get tile sets to build your own levels as you go through, you could probably just straight up buy those. That would that would probably be the monetization. I mean, the game's not uh, bad. It run it runs at like a million FPS. You know, it's no. Yeah, issues they also there. have a airplay game of a, a similar uh, feel to it, where you're conducting air traffic. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, you know, there's honestly not a ton to say about it. The puzzles are definitely pretty intense. They start out pretty easy. They they ramp up really quickly in difficulty. And they're much more about being able to pay attention to everything going on at once and then quickly getting to stuff to make sure that, you know, like I said, trains don't crash into each other um, and they get passengers delivered to the stations uh, before the time runs out, um, you know. It's all right. My kid likes it. It's got trains. Soundtrack is cute. The art style is cute. Um, whenever there's a little explosion, whenever they crash into each other, that's funny with, with a five year old. So I definitely would not pay 10 bucks for this. 99 cents. Great. If you like this type of game or if you like me, have a small child that would enjoy it. Um, but I don't think I'll ever play this game solo just with him if he wants to play it. So, Conduct Deluxe. 
a very middling eh review. Or conduct this if you're on mobile. So do you want to do the other one? Uh, 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 another one, and then I'll jump back in? Or do you want Sounds to good go? to me. No, I'll go ahead and do my next one. Um, my next one is Interstellar Transport Company. Um, I got this game. I can't remember if I bought it or if it, if I got it, like an, um, you know, like a, a key for it for review a long time ago. Um, this game entered early access. I want to say in 2017. Um, and then it exited early access into full release of May in, in May of this year. Um, this is a transportation management game, but during the, uh, the future, starting in, I believe, 2050 is the first year of the game, and then it goes, I I guess, forever. Um, and you are, you can either play solo, you can play with friends online, or you can play against AI. Um, there's pros and cons to each one. Uh, well, I get, I haven't played with anyone, any real people online, but there's pros and cons to playing solo versus playing with AI. Um, uh, you can play in either, uh, the real galaxy or the real, I guess, local, you know, few stars nearest us. Um, you can play in a completely randomly generated one. You can mix and match. Like you can start with our solar system, but then have a randomly generated galaxy outside of that. Um, and you're trying to build, uh, an interstellar transport company that is successful, makes, you know, shitloads of money. Uh, and spreads humanity out to the stars. Um, it's got a lot of what you consider sort of the basics of this. Um, on colonized planets or moons, uh, you can purchase um, various buildings to produce resources. Uh, they can be straight up raw resources like materials, or it can be um, more complex produced goods like uh, weapons or medicine. Um, you can do passenger transport. If you're playing solo, you definitely have to do everything. If you're playing with AI, or I assume also with people, you can be more specialized. Um, but you, you purchase, uh, landing pads for your ships and any planet that you have a landing pad on, you can build ships on. Um, as long as the pad is the correct size, larger ships need larger, uh, pad and docking facilities. Um, but you can build them at any, any place that you have one. You create routes between different interstellar bodies, planets, moons. Uh, there are, um, stations that can be built. There's science stations you can get, and those aren't destinations, but there's also like, uh, warp gates that you can invest in to allow faster transportation between, uh, star systems. Um, and those can be set as destinations. And then there's a few other little sort of arbitrary things you can create, I think, to set up kind of your own specific circuits or routes. Um, they don't necessarily have to be planets or moons. Um, but you create these routes and build your ships and send them on their merry way. The game has a full suite of tools to check on economic growth and development, uh, needs um, and projected growth for different uh, goods and services that are going to be necessary on a colony. Um, previously when the game was in early access, when I played it before, everything just sort of unlocked as you went along. Um, it was all based on the year. So just as things went along, you would unlock bigger and better ships. And eventually you would get, um, 
It uses dilithium crystals, uh, so Star Trek influence there for its FTL stuff. Um, so eventually you would unlock that and then it would be discovered um, and you would have to go create a colony and mine it and all that jazz. But now you build science research stations and you can pick and choose which tech trees you want to go down. Um, again, if you're playing solo, you're just kind of kind of slowly make your way across the tech tree. If you're playing individually, or sorry, if you're playing with AI or with other people, it might be beneficial to specialize and pick a particular tree to go down. Uh, in general, there's things like there's a, a tech tree that's for bonuses, one that's for ship unlocks, there's one that's general unlocks for getting things like uh, researching dilithium and researching drones, which I'll get to in a minute, um, and upgrades for those. And then there's a tree that lets you uh, develop your own colonies, both within your starting solar system and then outside, and it lets you fund various uh, building types. Because initially you can build like your company headquarters and research stations and a few other kind of generic buildings. And then to get the more specialized buildings, you have to unlock them via the research tree. Um, the home world will occasionally send out a colony ship to uh, colonize a new location. Uh, you probably want to ignore those because it just does it sort of randomly and it doesn't pick them with any sort of rhyme or reason in mind. Um, the, as soon as dilithium is discovered, it does send a colony to the largest, um, body within your solar system that uh, has dilithium, unless one already exists there, which can happen in the randomly generated starts. But if you use the real solar system, that is, uh, Titan. Uh, Titan has got like a 96% concentration of dilithium crystals at, at the start. So... But Titan is way the fuck out there. So it's not a good route to set up uh, unless your company has already making some serious bank. Developing colonies is hard fucking work. Um, it is a little bit easier with multiple, uh, multiple AI and, again, I assume human players. Because you're not having to make sure it gets everything that it needs. But in single player, you have to make sure the colony has enough food and water and basic uh, materials and resources to survive. And then you have to supply it with all of the materials it needs to develop the colony, which is uh, machine parts and medicine and possibly weapons if you need to have a security station there to defend from pirates. Um, which pirates are... They don't necessarily roam around. Uh, anytime your ship is in an area of unsecured space, there's a chance that it could be attacked by pirates. Um, and then you can build security stations. You can watch little police cruisers fly around um, as long as you keep it funded with weapons. Or not funded, but keep it supplied with weapons. So a colony might need that. And then later on, it's going to need robotics. Um, if you build any production facilities, you're going to need to be able to provide it the raw resources. And you've got, you know, you've got to get all this stuff going. Uh, they need consumer goods. They need luxury goods. You need to have a, a steady... Uh, transportation of colonists and eventually there are uh, business travelers and, and tourism. All of these things have to be supplied to a colony to get it to grow um, and eventually hit uh, 100% capacity, which is fully developed and uh, near the maximum population limit. And then you have to keep them basically content in order to receive uh, sort of boosted production and uh, more increased revenue and things like that. 
all of that is really fucking hard when you're managing everything by yourself. Uh, so if you are playing a solo game, be careful not to just chase the colony ships because it could bankrupt your company trying to set up a, a route for that all on your lonesome. Um, funding your own colonies is much a much better thing. It's really expensive, but you can obviously pick colonies that are rich in resources that you need or yeah, when you first get out of your own solar system, actually find a system that has got uh, a really good foothold planet that's got really high food and water production capabilities. And all, and all of this stuff is in graphs and charts. You get some basic information just by clicking on a planet. But, I mean, there's a, like I said, there's a full list of charts and graphs and menus that tell you all the stats on everything. So, drones, in the late game, one thing that I actually uh, was part of the testing group for this game and would have conversations with the devs during the early beta phase. Because, I mean, I have played a ton of games like this, you know, in particular on this show, like uh, Train Fever and Transport Fever, but those aren't the only two games of this type that I've played. You know, I've played a lot of it. And um, something that... And I, and I don't know if it's just, the, like, the back end for the game, but actually managing all of your routes is a little bit fiddly. And they never could get it worked out. So they added drones to the game. Eventually you can research drones that will... Um, you just build hubs on the planets that you you know have a stake in. Um, and you can build more hubs to get more drones. And eventually you can research ones that can go throughout the entire solar system. And so you can eventually just, just um, remove all of your routes in a fully developed solar system. And have drones do everything. And then you can move on to developing others. That's kind of an issue because it makes the sort of this middle period of the game a little bit boring because once you've got a, a good setup within a single solar system and you start expanding, you dump all your resources into drones in that solar system and then you just have to wait because especially in the early game, interstellar transportation is really, really slow. It takes a lot of resources to build the warp gates, which allow that to be instantaneous. And the the initial ships you have that can travel... Uh, through interstellar space is uh, they're very slow and they have small cargo capacities. So you kind of hit this weird middle point where it's like, okay, I don't need to manage this anymore. I can swap over to drones and focus on other stuff and I'm going to wait. But once you get to the later game, the drones are wonderful because you don't have to micromanage everything. You can just set them and forget them. It's not impossible, but it's pretty difficult to wreck uh, an entire solar system economy once you get it set up. Um, and so that does tend to be, to move, you know, go along the lines of, uh, you know, set it and forget it and move on to the next thing. That could be a pro or a con based on your pro play style and what you like. I, I like it because then I can set up sort of my backbone and then I don't have to worry about my primary infrastructure and then I can focus on other sort of endeavors. But, you know, you may not like that as a, as a player. Um, where you like to have a lot more maybe fine control or investment throughout the entire game in, in everything that you're doing. Um, it runs pretty well. Once you, there, there is this part in the middle um, where that you've got uh, like a million ships. I'm exaggerating a bit, but you could potentially have hundreds before the drones take over and uh, the uh, game itself grinds to almost a halt is it's trying to deal with all of these ships and all of their trajectories and everything. Um, 
you can do some things in the options to minimize that. But if you've got three or 400 ships in a solar system and you're zoomed in on that solar system, you're going to, you're going to have a bad time. Um, cause it was making my computer chug, but outside of that performance isn't an issue. I haven't had any crashes. Um, I've played the game, uh, like 22 hours in the last few weeks plus time before that. And I, I, the game didn't crash on me at all. So if you like this sort of game, there's nothing out there that I know of that's like it. This is the only, you know, sci-fi, uh, space transportation company game that I'm aware of. And it's pretty solid. It's not perfect. It's got problems. Um, but if you like this sort of thing and you want one that's sci-fi, there's nothing out there like it. And overall, I, I do think it is a good game. Um, its price is 25 bucks. As far as getting these types of games without it being on a sale or whatever, that's pretty reasonable. Um, you know, a lot of transportation games are in the 20 to $30 range. So this is right there where it needs to be for that. Um, it's been on sale for, uh, according to this, uh, 17 bucks at its lowest. So looks like it's never been any lower than that, but I fully believe it's, it's worth the 25. Obviously, if, if you disagree, uh, it will be on sale and that, that sale price will probably creep down a little bit more now that the game is in full release and sort of maintenance slash update mode. So there you go. Interstellar Transport Company. Two thumbs up. Okay, so I'm going to go with something a little bit more terrestrial and talk about Turmoil. So Turmoil is an oil digging simulator where you are a prospector in the Wild West in at the turn of the 20th century. And you're digging for oil and trying to sell it to one of two companies. It's a arcade game. And overall, it's not bad. It's just, it's not great either, especially if you're spending a lot of time with it, which I'll explain in a little, in a little bit. So you are one of four characters. Uh, as far as I can tell, it's just, you know, you're, avatar in game and you are trying to essentially own the town to be able to become mayor because that's how elections work uh, in the old west i guess uh, essentially as the town uh, as you go through the different rounds shares for the town come up for auction and you're trying to buy into that but you're also trying to balance that with buying upgrades to be able to do more things with your plot of land that you lease out for a year. So uh, overall, I guess I should break down the mechanics. Uh, gameplay goes in rounds of, uh, I would say, 10 to 15 minutes, depending on how quickly you go about things, because there is a fast forward function that lasts one year in game. And you're leasing a piece of property from the local township to be able to drill on. And you hire a prospector or release a mole, which I'll talk about that in a little bit, to essentially 
or, or, or I should say a diviner to look for these buckets of oil to drill down into, get, uh, bring up and either stockpile while the price is low or sell when the price is high and make money to be able to upgrade and, like I said, buy shares of the town for the in-game stuff. And that's really the main gameplay loop, actually. And that's that's why I meant by it's a fun game overall, but it's not for long periods of time because it gets exceptionally repetitive because it doesn't introduce a lot of new mechanics very quickly. In order for a new mechanic to unlock, you essentially have to complete a entire section of the map. And that's a good 10 rounds or more, depending on how many people are still active in the uh, mining. Because as you hit the end game, you start buying out your competitors if they don't have a certain amount of stuff, trying to get the majority of the town to be able to uh, to take over and essentially push everybody out of town. So, yeah, it feels like it just doesn't put enough mechanics out there at once, and every level essentially plays the same with a level generator uh, hiding under it. This is kind of like the flip side of the centers, where it has that level generator, and essentially it's unlimited levels, but because you don't have a, a very engaging gameplay loop, it really suffers because of it. And there are things that you can spend your money on outside of the shares, and that's why you have to kind of balance things. And I should have known something was up whenever the AI was just stockpiling all their money and they wasn't upgrading everything because you could see what upgrades they have. So I got like the mole, which uh, uncovers various parts of this 2D slice of the map. And as you drill down or as you... Uh, yeah, release the mow or whatever. It unlocks little triangles and breaks them off to show what's there under the map. And you're looking for the oil pockets. You're trying to either avoid rocks or upgrade your drills to be able to drill through them. And it is rather engaging, but like I said, it's just... It just doesn't do a lot else. And you're just doing the same thing over and over and over again without any real variance. So, yeah, I, I got this through Twitch, uh, through Twitch Prime. So it was free to me because to, for me, you know, Twitch Prime is like an added fun extra because, yeah, you know, I have Amazon Prime, so it comes along for the rod. So, yeah, it's didn't really cost me anything mm. in theory, but it's one of those things that, I'm not sure if I would want to buy it or I could really recommend buying it unless, you know, it's one of those games that you pick up and play every so often and then put back down. I wonder if it has a mobile version, actually. I don't know. Um, I own Turmoil. I bought it several years ago. Looks like it is in uh, on the new, like, Steam sorting or whatever, 2016. Uh, were we even doing this show in 2016? Uh, we started at the end of 2016. Okay, yeah. So that's probably why I've never talked about it. Uh, last I played it, June 6th, 2016. I just picked it at pretty much random because I saw it on my Twitch games and thought, yeah, you know, 
looks like it was released on uh, mobile. I'm trying to find which stores it was released on. Uh, it's on Android, or at least there. Are, well, let's just let's put it this way: I search Android or Turmoil Android, and it comes up with a pirate site to be able to find it uh, before it pops up in the game store. So maybe they shut down the sales because that's usually not a thing, right? Uh, yeah. Looks like so. it looks like it is on looks like it is on the uh Apple game store. And yeah, that's pretty much the same store or same game. I would say it wouldn't be a such a bad mobile game because maybe it's just standards are low or but then again or I should I shouldn't say standards are lower, expectations are lower, but also uh mobile tends to lean more towards the option of pick up and play for a couple of minutes and put it back down. Which kind of fits with Turmoil because it doesn't offer a lot of new mechanics very quickly. So, you know, you can pick it up, play it for a bit, put it back down, pick it up, play it again, not really have anything different. But, yeah, I'm not sure why they don't sell it on Android. Mm, but also, Turmoil is a terrible, terrible thing to try to, set, to, try to search. Yep, yep, that might, yep, that would be. Yeah, especially in these days, right? Yeah. Not to get too political. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. From what I remember of playing Turmoil, I think I think the reason I quit it was because it's just there's not really enough variance as it goes on. Like, once you kind of get it figured yeah, out, pretty much. it doesn't change all that much. Well, they do slowly start adding new mechanics. And I know that there's at least one more mechanic that they haven't added or that I didn't get to. But it does get a, a little bit different whenever you're able to really start branching out and start using like main lines to try to feed the uh, a vast network of underground pipes. Mm-hmm. But it just feels like it's one of those ideas that is a neat idea, but does it? But was it fleshed out enough? I know there's some DLC for it. Um. Uh. I, yeah. The heat is on, which is included on the uh, Twitch up uh, uh, version. It's a new town and a new va- mayor with a new uh, oil rich map. I didn't actually play this because it suggested playing the main game first. Uh, new drilling mechanics uh, powered by a new underground substance, magma. So yeah, it looks like it's adding a little bit of a twist to things. So maybe that would. Uh, been a better one to try, or maybe this is like the expansion to try to throw a little bit of a curveball. Yeah, I have it. I don't know. I didn't buy it, so I don't know when or where or how I got it. They might have given it away at some point, but I've never played it. Yeah, I was going to say you own it. I I have it on Twitch Prime, uh, including the DLC. Yeah, well, I'm saying I've got the it's DLC. It's a nice addition. Yeah, yeah, I was saying, uh, it's, well, it was a nice addition that they added that because at least for a time, they would have it where you would get the base game, but not any of the, DL- of the DLC. But it looks like they have the same base idea of buying essentially stock in the town because once again, that's how elections work, especially in the United States these days. Indeed. Well, no, no arguments there. Sigh. Also, also, it looks like they did uh, introduce uh, some sort of gambling mechanic or gambling minigame. 
Is it loot boxes? Uh, no, it's high low card. So yeah. Hey, see what I did there? Hey. See what I did there? Yeah. Yeah. See, this was eighteen ninety nine, so they didn't invent loot box yet. It was the Luke sack. <laughs> Yeah, and see if you didn't get uh, that legendary, you're just told in the bag. Yo, I I approve of that. <laughs> well, uh, well, do you approve of this other game? I do approve of this other game. Uh, State of Decay Two. So this is my Game Pass game for the week because apparently, I guess we're doing that now. Um. <laughs> oh well that's not such a bad thing no it? no just on a regular basis it's like i played this game on game pass so the original state of decay is available on steam the second one is not it's xbox and uh pc through the microsoft store or the game pass app only um for anyone who played the original state of decay or for anyone who did not i need to talk about that for just a moment and then for people who have we'll get to the State of Decay 2 in a moment. Uh, State of Decay is a zombie RPG survival game um, where that you control a group of survivors in um, sort of a rural, or a rural USA, a fictional rural USA town uh, in the immediate aftermath of the zombie apocalypse. Um, there's a, a small story that sort of helps get you through the map, introduce the game mechanics, um, and kind of gives you some backstory on what has happened to the zombie apocalypse, apocalypse, and set stuff up for a sequel. Um, you have things that you have to manage for your, uh, survival group, which is food, medicine. Uh, I can't remember if you have to manage ammo. I think so. Food, medicine, ammo, and building materials, um, which all of these things you have to scavenge or create things at your, your base facilities. They can produce those. There's multiple bases around the map, and some of them have built-in facilities um, that give you special bonuses or uh, automatically produce some of those things for you. But the primary way that you get your resources is through scavenging. And regardless of what difficulty you're playing on or what you're doing, if you play long enough and don't complete the story you will bleed the map dry and then just die because you run out of resources, which realistic, sure, but um, also sucks. The original State of Decay did release uh, one of the DLCs. I can't remember what it was called, but essentially it was a mode that let you reset the map. Um, You had an RV that you had to repair, and whenever you repaired it, you could, air quotes, drive to the next area, which just reset the map and bumps up the difficulty on it. Um, giving more, more zombies, more powerful zombies, more special infected. What the hell is that? More vibrators. Apparently. Um, an alarm was set on my phone for reasons. Um, cool. Let me just turn that off. Your phone, right. Um, but anyways, so you would, you know, cycle the map, repairing the RV, and it would reset all of the uh, scavenged resources. Um, your characters had some basic stats that could improve and that could be specialized. So, for example, you had melee, uh, a melee skill, and whenever you leveled it up to at level 5 or 5 stars or whatever the system was, um, then you got a choice of two specializations, and it was like one of them was to specialize in 
bludgeoning weapons and the other would be bladed weapons. And certain characters had different options, but there was a, a generally a pretty small fixed pool of things to, to upgrade to. Um, and that was about it. It was a tiny indie game, uh, at the time that was forced to follow a lot of, uh, restrictions that Xbox Live Arcade titles had at the time. And I, I loved the game. I played it both on Xbox and then later I got it on PC. And uh, I always felt that it was lacking, you know, because it had been restricted to uh, the initial Xbox Live Arcade size limit of, I think, two gigabytes or something like that. Um, you know, it was kind of they had done what they could with what they had. The game was really buggy, had a lot of issues with crashing and weird physics stuff. But still, um, you know, it, it at the time it was unique. We've since seen a lot more survival games and games similar to this. But I always hoped that there would be a sequel that would expand on a lot of the stuff and fix some of the major issues with the game, which leads us to State of Decay 2. Um, State of Decay 2 is basically State of Decay 1, but better, with many issues fixed, both from a bug perspective. It still has bugs, to be sure, um, but there are a lot fewer bugs. Um, they have a way to deal with bugs, like you have an ability that you can use an unlimited amount of times that kind of resets your position in case you get stuck inside of something or, or something like that. Um, but anyways, there's, there's a lot fewer bugs. They provided ways for you to uh, deal with the limited limited resources. Um, they gave a lot more weapons, a lot more abilities, did a lot more to improve the sort of RPG-esque mechanics of the game. Um, they fleshed out a lot of the story components. It doesn't have the same type of sort of driven storyline. It's a lot more of... Uh, as you engage in the world, you find things that, that increase, or not that increase, but that send you on story missions and give you more information about the zombie apocalypse. It doesn't quite have the same end goal. There's sort of one big goal you're trying to reach um, to, I guess, quote, beat the game. But it's not quite, uh, that that story itself is not as linear as it was in the first game. Um, and then they just added a lot of, of quality of life features and a lot of uh, additions to the game. So the biggest problem that I had in it with the first game was once you ran out of resources, you were just fucked. Um, and I didn't like having to constantly increase the game, the difficulty of the game, to continue playing and reset my map every time. In State of the Gate 2, there's multiple ways to, to generate consistent... Uh, resources that you need so you you know you still use food and medicine um bullets building materials and uh fuel uh for your your base and your your vehicles and crafting and things like that but now uh scavenging is probably the fastest way to get the resources that you need but this is set a couple years in the future of the world so the initial apocalypse is over and civilization is starting to put itself back together so there are other bands of survivors and traders and things that you can go to. So right off the bat, you can go get any resources that you need by trading stuff. Um, the in-game currency is called influence. And um, the ways to get influence are by completing objectives, uh, completing missions, 
selling or trading items with people. And then you just kind of generally earn influence as you go for killing zombies, killing special infected, clearing out infestations, wiping out hordes, you know, all the, you, you get stuff for doing what you're supposed to in the game. Imagine that. Uh, but anyways, so that's just the, that's the only currency you have to worry about is influence. And you can just get anything you need for influence, trade anything in for influence. So traders is one of the outside of scavenging. Once you've cleared a big chunk of the map, traders are the, the next fastest way. You can also still develop and build your base. So you can uh, generate these resources in base, but you can get outposts. You, you could get outposts in the first game. But all they did was give you a little safe zone and a way to access your base's inventory without actually having to go back home. Outposts now can generate resources for you. Um, and there's sort of a generic, you know, for example, if you create an outpost at a, a pharmacy, then you'll get medicine every day as a resource that's generated. Or if you create an outpost at a construction site, get building materials. Um and, you know, so on and so forth for the other major resources. Then there's special things that you can create outposts at on the map. So on the map that I'm on, there's three different maps that you can play on. And once you get far enough, you can unlock free travel between the different maps. So even there, greater expansion for building communities and uh, getting resources. Um, but anyways, on the map that I'm on, there's a big uh, solar, um, or not solar, a big wind farm so you can create an outpost at the wind farm and then you get power for your base without having to um get it from anywhere else so you can generate power for example using generators you can build solar panels that sort of thing but if you have this outpost then your entire base gets constant passive power and then you don't have to spend any of your resources back home you can use that building slot for something else or not have to worry about running a generator which generates noise which attracts zombies it's, you know, the whole deal. So there, there's quite a few special outposts that you can build across the maps, but that's the first one that I have found and I'm using. Um, and then it, I think I can't, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I haven't played enough and cleared out enough of the map to know for sure that this is happening. But I think that every so often you'll lose your, your, well, this does happen. Every so often you lose the scouting data that you have on an area, like if you don't go there for a while. But then if you go back there, I have found resources in buildings that I am almost positive I've completely cleared. So I think there's some small amount of resource regeneration, um, things like trade and crafting materials and weapons um, and other consumable items. I haven't seen any of the major resources respawn yet. So, you know, food, fuel, etc. But I think that it is re regenerating, re-rolling, whatever, some kind of loot table for you to be able to go and um, scavenge an area again. So those those things make it much more bearable uh, to play long-term, because even when you clear out huge chunks of the map, you, it's not like you just run out of resources and are fucked. The improvements, they've done a lot of improvements for the character progression and development, um, you can do some small things like customize like their, their clothing and, um, styles and things like that. 
and then you develop based on a, a combination of your character's inherent traits, which you can see, and then the actions that you do. So previously, like I said, you know, you develop melee combat and you would get to choose between like a bludgeoning weapon bonus and a slashing weapon bonus. Now, if your character focuses on using bludgeoning weapons, for example, you'll get two or, or two specializations and they both focus on bludgeoning weapons, but they do different things. Or if you use mixed weapons, um, you know, mixed types of weapons, you might get two different ones. If you do a lot more stealth kills, you'll get bonuses that affect your, uh, it's called your backup weapon. It's usually like some kind of combat knife or something that you use when you're doing stealth take at takedowns. And it's a tool you can use for scavenging in certain other situations. You can get bonuses to attack damage with that. Um, and then the same thing goes for your other skills too. With guns, if you focus on rifles, you'll get bonuses and specializations that have to deal with rifles. If you do crossbows or if you focus on stealth, um, using like silencers and things like that on your weapons, you'll get bonuses related to that as opposed to just generic gun bonuses. Um, as you do, uh, I forget what the stat's called, but it's like the stat that has to do with you, uh, your chances of finding rare items and how sneaky you are. It might be called cunning. Um, but you know, depending on your actions, uh, like if you do fast looting, because you can, or fast scavenging, you can scavenge slowly, which makes no noise and lets you be stealthy, or you can scavenge fast. Scavenging fast, uh, lets you get through there faster, obviously, but there's a, a much, you make a higher level of noise in general, and then you can accidentally break things or knock stuff over, which causes a loud noise, which automatically attracts a zombie. Um, so depending on what those actions that you do all the time, you might get a bonus that reduces your chances of knocking over or breaking items, for example, or it'll speed up your, your slow search. Um, but it, you know, it still doesn't create any noise, things like that. And then now you can also develop special skills for every character that have to do primarily with your base development, but they can affect other things as well. So you can specialize, for example, in, uh, auto mechanics, and then you gain the ability to, uh, make minor repairs to cars, for example, without a repair pack. Like that character can do that. Or you get, um, bonuses when using certain repair packs, or you can craft, uh, vehicle related mods, which you can, you know, go crazy, like, um, Mad Max style on your cars. Um, you can create those mods for a lot less resources. You can have someone who is like a scientist. They can do things like hydroponics or develop solar panels. Um, you can get surgeons and uh, medics and pathologists who, for example, in your infirmary can uh, heal wounds faster or use less medical supplies to treat people, um, develop the, the zombie cure faster, um, which not a cure for the actual zombies that are already out, but you can get infected yourself with something called the blood blood plague. Um, and you, you get the cure right away, but it's really expensive initially. And, you know, through research and things, you can bring that cost down, uh, and further, you can get it down further with specialization. So there's a lot of customization you can do. Um, the only area where that it's kind of worse in that respect is that you do lose some of the, uh, interesting, um, story-related stuff by having a set group of characters that you start with every time. 
because uh, it, it's all does, you know, procedural character generation and whatnot. Um, there's sort of five, I think it's five different, like, sort of pairs of characters you can start the game with um, that have got some pretty, pretty varied backstories and, and different bonuses and things. But um, outside of that, everyone that you find is going to be different. Um, so from, from one playthrough to the next. Let's see. Is there anything that I'm missing? I thoroughly enjoy this game. Um, there's a bunch of different ways I can play it. If I'm wanting to, you know, listen to a podcast while I'm playing, I can just focus on doing like scavenging runs and things, not doing any missions. If, uh, I want to play more intently, I will focus on doing missions, um, focus on maybe upgrading my facility spending time with the characters together. They do build relationships with one another. It's all based on these traits that they have. Um, so you can get interesting dynamics set up in your colonies. Like if you get somebody who's a practical joker and then somebody who hates practical jokes, then they'll fight a lot. And so it's actually really beneficial for you to take one of them all the time on missions so that they're not fighting. But then you run into issues of like they get fatigued and they get diseased and then they get, you know, whatever. So... Then they get the zombie. They, yeah, they get the zombie. So, I, I like it. I like it overall. Um, I have no idea how much it costs to buy. Let's see. And I know that there's a standard edition, and then there's a game of the year edition with all the DLC. All of the sort of major game modes and everything that have been added, you that comes in the base game. Uh, the DLC adds new weapons and equipment and some story-related stuff. Uh, there's no microtransactions in here, as far as I can tell. Uh, Ultimate Edition for Game Pass is forty okay. bucks. Um, you know, I I don't know if this game is worth forty bucks or not. I probably wouldn't have paid forty dollars for the Ultimate Edition. Um, the main reason I played it was because Game Pass. I'd probably be willing to go like fifteen, twenty bucks for this game. Um, and the standard edition has got a shitload of content. I've only, I'm not even fully explored the map that I started on. And there's three maps total, so. Plus there's a couple of DLCs for the Game Pass version. Yeah. Oh, there are? Which which DLCs are included yeah. with Game Pass? Uh, Hang on, let me see if I can... That's one thing I hate about the beta version of this, is that you have to click another thing to be able to see. Uh, uh looks like uh, there's a Heartland. Uh... Daybreak and Independence Packs that are uh, DLC. But it looks like at least one of those is just stuff. See, Daybreak, uh, Daybreak Pack uh, in- introduces a brand new game mode of co-op siege defense. So, hey, the original Fortnite, right? Yay! <laughs> it looks like Heartland is ready to use in-game, so looks like that is included. Oh, yeah. Mark. Hardland is included with Game Pass and available on Xbox One and PC. Uh oh, and so okay, so Heartland lets you return back to the location of the first game, hmm. and then get bored because you ran out the uh, the map, and then you start building the uh, RV and. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> We're doing it again. We're caught in a time loop. Um, I don't know if this is... It would have been really funny if you started doing the show intro right there, but too late. Yeah. (laughs) 
I don't know if it's a separate thing you have to launch or if you can actually get there from your main story. I'll have to check that out. I don't know. But yeah, that is uh, State of Decay 2. I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, it does have multiplayer, which I have not tried. Fuck playing with random people. There are, <laughs> there's supposed to be a bunch of things in place that keep you from griefing other people or being griefed. But that, that doesn't work out. But yeah, no, fuck that. I mean, if someone, if you or anyone else in our community who has Game Pass wants to try this, either for game night or just to like give it a shot, I'd more than, than be happy to play with you, you know, with you guys. But fuck playing with random strangers in a game like this. <laughs> I don't want to be griefed and have my shit stolen and then have them like, Sick zombies on me somehow, or glitch well, me into you a would, wall uh, all look the forward time. to the you, you would look forward to the teabagging, though. Let's be honest. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Teabagging is great. So, oh, and they added crossbows in the second one. Crossbows are legit. Ah. They're the crossbows are unless you're just being swarmed. Crossbows the best weapon in the fucking game. Instant headshot kill on on all zombies except for the juggernauts. Um, you can recover your ammunition, ammunition, and it's completely silent. But they do take a long time to reload. Even like the repeating crossbow, or the I'm not sure if that's exactly what it's called, but it, there's one that can fire uh, five bolts before you have to reload it. Um, even that one is slow. So if you get swarmed. Melee or, or you are fucked. Yeah, you're fucked. But crossbow all the way, and a crossbow. So manual weapons. Uh, so like a revolver or um, a bolt action rifle. Uh, they can't break. They can degrade uh, and and become weaker, but they can't actually break. Uh, and a crossbow f- fits into that. So your crossbow can't actually break, and it still is one one hit headshot kills. So, crossbow, thumbs up. But yeah, that's and the games that's I played. The games. <laughs> Indeed. So, moving on to our first news topic of the night, we're going to be discussing Google Stadia a bit. Um, it's been... Yeah. There's been a lot of, of headlines generated about this. Well, but, it's Google... Uh, well, well, I shouldn't say entering the gaming space, but... Entering as a major player instead of just mobile bullshit. And now it's online bullshit. And there's been some mixed reviews. There's been some uh, saying that it's really good. Others that are saying it's really bad. And then there's the other ones that's kind of in between. And I really, really think it just depends on location for a lot of these reviews. I would love to like see a plot of... The office to Google data center in miles based on, re- in, you know, how it does have a trend on their review score. Because for those who don't know, Stadia is Google's cloud gaming service. And as a cloud gaming service, it is essentially a client or your, you're getting essentially a dumb terminal for game inputs and video and everything else is done server side. And they are really pushing the action games for this, aren't they? (laughs) They are indeed. 
Uh, let's see which one of these is the the titles. Here we go. Yeah, and there's a lot of old shit as well, which is a little strange, actually. Yeah, so Google, here's here's the Google Stadia launch titles. Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Destiny 2, The Collection, Guilt, that's G-Y-L-T. Which is, a, yeah, that's the Stadia uh, exclusive right now. The only one, yep. Just Dance 2020. Oh. Hey, you are there. There's a yawn. Kine. Mortal Kombat 11, Red Dead Redemption 2, Samurai Showdown, Thumper, Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Um, and that's it. Which is in- yep. which is interesting. What I'm pretty sure has happened here is they've said, it has to be ready for holiday 2019 to get people subscribing. And they've went, uh, here's, here's what we'll have ready for 2019, boss. Well, uh, they, oh, well, another one of the links has, Google has also stated they will add 14 more games to the service by the end of the year. Attack on Titan 2, the final battle anime game, Borderlands 3, Darksiders Genesis, uh, Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2, Farming Simulator 19, Final Fantasy 15, Football Manager 2020, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint, Grid, Metro Exodus, NBA uh, 2K20, Rage 2, Trials Rising, and Wolfenstein Youngblood. I'm I'm the only one noticing that there's a fair number of Game Pass games on this. Um, Actually, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, you're right. Because Rage 2 just went on. Uh, Metro Exodus is supposed to go on, if I recall correctly. Final Fantasy, it was just announced the Final Fantasy series is going to go on Game Pass. Is 15 going to be on Game Pass? I guess we'll get to that in a minute, but... Yeah. Okay. Yes, it will. Well, I'm glad I never well, bought well. that. <laughs> I wanted to, but I never did. Guess I'll never have to. Um, but that's for later. Um, yeah. It, I mean, quite a few of these games, or well, several of these games, are pretty good contenders you know as far as i know from what i've heard because i've not played very many games on this list but um you know from what i've heard some of them are pretty good but a lot of them Mm -hmm. are older middling titles um their their exclusive guilt looks interesting but that's not typically the type of exclusive title that is something that sells a service and people coming into this well i think we've talked about this before but the sort of the uh, air quote early adopters for this are probably going to be hardcore gamers that potentially are just trying it out for the novelty probably have a lot of these games already so it's not like they're going to be getting anything out of that i mean there's definitely going to be some who are not but i feel like most of your early adopters are probably going to be people who already have a lot of these games they just want to see how it works and that's not going to be able to retain them which you need you need retention for a subscription service which I'm not sure who they're trying to market this to because the game prices are just absurd for that you gotta remember, okay, you gotta remember first. We aren't talking Game Pass here. This is a essentially another storefront, unless you're buying into the pro edition, which even that it's an uh isn't a subscription or isn't a 
service where you're just getting everything, you are still buying into certain games. You're just getting more stuff as far as I know. Uh, let's see the pricing model. I believe that was it. Uh, da, da, da. I'm trying to find it on here because yeah, I mean, it's just, okay. Let's just pick a game at random. Uh, just because I clicked on it, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. All right, all right. It is sixty dollars on Stadia. Steam. It's still sixty dollars, but you're, you know, you're still getting, you know, Steam sales. We don't know what they're going to do on, uh, for sales on this. Um, Judge Dance twenty twenty. It is. Uh, Ubisoft. I mean, maybe I'm just yeah. Maybe I'm just used to Steam doing absurd discounts, you know, two or three times a year. But yeah, some of the these prices just seem a little bit crazy. Where's the thing on how Stadia Pro works? Uh, I'm actually not sure. Stadia. Let's see. Uh, okay. Say, uh, I just, uh, found, uh, 9 to 5 Google, which that's a site that I didn't know existed, but fine. Uh, cloud-based gaming, it is, uh, Google Stadia actually doesn't call Stadia thing. It is a uh, storefront. Right, but the Stadia. The Pro delivers benefits and free games. Google's main selling point for, uh, Stadia Pro, the $10 a month subscription tier of Stadia are its benefits, the core benefit. Is that Stadia Pro subscribers get access to free games on a regular basis, so a subscription of some sort, even though there hasn't been any talk about what you're getting because that's not actually active yet from everything I've heard. Oh, sorry, you get uh, you get Destiny 2 the collection, uh, which includes the core game and all of its available expansions. Um, question: Isn't that a free-to-play game plus a, uh, one expansion? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Destiny 2 is a free-to-play game. I don't know how, if the expansion, and the expansions are included with that. Uh, all all the year one expansions are included in Destiny 2 now, when it went free-to-play. Only the newest one, or newest two, are, are paid. Uh, let's see. Uh, Stadia Pro, you get up to 4K resolution, where there's some people claiming that it's just upscaled 1080p footage. You get 60 FPS frame rate, which is exactly the same as free. You get 5.1 stereo surround instead of stereo, uh, surround sound instead of stereo sound. Uh, and that's about it. It's basically a resolution bump and you get two free, uh, free games with potential of getting more later on, depending on how Google goes. I'm, I'm failing to see the, you know, the benefit here for getting the pro version, unless you have a 4K TV, and then you're going to need one hell of a pipe to be able to download it. And that's, of course, assuming you happen to be like in the next room from the data center. So the latency isn't crazy. Yeah. Because we we are putting, being around the bush on the main thing here. All right. Cloud gaming in of itself isn't such a bad concept, but the infrastructure is just not there for it. Because the games that they're pushing... Uh, where's the list that has all the ones that are 
upcoming. It's not that one. It's the other one. All the games except for one or two are heavy on action focus. Yeah, Guilt is a survival horror game. It's a horror mm-hmm. game. Um, I mean, I would say that you don't need the greatest of reaction time for Farming Simulator. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, I'm sure Jim would chime in and say if he, you know, if you need, you know, you know reaction times <laughs> that of a Kong Food Master or something. But I think that one's fair to say that, you know, you probably don't need the biggest of reaction time. So you can probably get away with a little bit of lag. But there's been some videos showing, you know, multi-second delays on jumping while playing Destiny. I mean, that's just, yeah, right? Yeah. Which that was one of our biggest fears or biggest worries about this from the beginning. Latency issues. Even if you lived in a place with good internet, good reliable internet, which hello Europeans, um, or Asians, there still would be the potential for massive latency making a lot of these games, particularly action focused games, unplayable. And that's most of the games, as you have pointed out. Yeah, uh, I'm just, I mean, can you imagine Mortal Kombat 11 with, uh, you know, 200 latency on top of whatever latency is introduced by the multiplayer? Yeah. No, I would not want to do that. Or trying to uh, compete with Just Dance, because one thing that Google was talking about was their negative uh, latency bullshit, which was... Essentially, from the stuff I've read, essentially boosting up the frame rate to try to hide lag, it like doesn't work like that. No, that's not how that works. It might be more... Would it be more noticeable or less noticeable if there's more frames coming out? Because it would be... uh, It depends on how fluid the action is to begin with. And also just... Once again, it all comes down to just the tech that's involved because, you know, this isn't just a video. This is the the processing involved. This is the latency between button press, the action going out, getting processed, coming back. But also, people are so focused on the bandwidth requirements that they're not thinking of that ping that, or even the jitter. Because if you have even the fastest of connections... But you don't have a stable connection. Oh, God, this is going to be horrible to play on. Yeah. Now, I don't want to poo-poo this idea completely. But I'm just thinking, in the U.S., we're too spread out, not counting around, you know, certain population centers. I I could see a cloud gaming service working in New York, working in Washington, you know, working in Seattle. Working in San Francisco, you know, those nice dense population centers and working in Chicago. But when we're talking you and me, you know, living out in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. Nope. Right. I don't see it because, uh, let's see, speed test. Uh, and let's change the server because that's the fun thing. People always say, oh, I got too latency. Well, you're pinging a server that's you know just across the road. 
Uh, let's go Ohio. I think that I think there's a data center in Ohio somewhere for Google. And let's see. This is. I just want to double check to see where this is exactly. This is right in the dead center of, or yeah, right in like the tri-state area. So this is still just over the state line. And I'm showing a ping of. Wait for it. Come on, connect. And this, a ping of 41. So, yeah, that's not terrible, but the thing is that's not even close to where I'm pretty sure that data center is. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I don't want to completely poo-poo this idea. In the United States, we're too spread out. Most of our infrastructure is garbage. It would work. Probably pretty well, like you mentioned, in, in large population centers, more developed areas, um, and whatnot. Um, I or if they change the focus on, uh, you know, less action-oriented games. Yeah. So I I knew, and I somehow miss either I misinterpreted it or just somehow missed it completely. I thought that the you bought games a la carte unless you got their pro subscription, and then you could play. The games, but you just get a couple of free no, games. You just get a couple. Right. So that seems in, in a world where we have in a world where Xbox Game Pass exists. And, you know, I just don't see that working out super well. I mean, the, the, yes, there are some games on here that you can't get on Game Pass, but if you have to buy them anyways, why would you buy them here where you don't have any guarantee of owning it at all? Like, I know that owning a, air quotes, owning a digital game, you know, through Steam or whatever, still is not the same guarantee that you have as having a piece of hardware, but it's a step farther than this. So you have no guarantee, no promise that you're going to get to keep the game that you just paid for. We don't know what sales are going to look like. Historically, on their mobile side, Google has not had good sales. Every once in a while you run up on something, but generally their sales are not good. So if you're going to have to buy the game anyways, buy it on a more tried and true tested platform. And I don't just mean Steam. Well, it's a good thing Google doesn't, well, it's a good thing that Google doesn't have a history of just, you know, randomly cutting off, uh, you know, services that they don't like anymore. Yeah, right? it's a good thing oh, Google wait. has every company they've ever acquired or started spun off. They have them all. And it's also a good thing that they launched Stadia with exactly all the features that they said they would. Oh, wait. <laughs> Stadia is fucking bare bones right now. If this was any more bare bones, I would think this was, you know, an EA launch title. Touche. So let's see. Uh, where was that link? Because, yeah, you know, we have a bunch of links on this one. So many links, right? So many links. Right. Uh,. It's uh, technical uh, uh, conceptual nightmare from Forbes. Uh, there, they don't have the game states. They don't have the sharing. They don't have achievements. I mean, it's. I mean, hey, look at it this way. Uh, Epic no longer has the only bare bones uh, storefront now. Right. right. I'm and also. There's at least one developer voicing uh, concerns that, you know, it's just they're going to close it down. 
What? Okay, so, uh, I'll take care of this. Uh, more missing features. Okay. So, no family sharing at launch. Yep. That's a big one that people have been uh, going on fa- about. Fa- family sharing, achievements, and more. So, uh, aside from the aforementioned missing features, which is... Uh, the family sharing concept where you buy a game once and share it across multiple accounts within a family, uh, within the gaming service. It's great for families on a budget, but hey, it's not, it won't be one of uh, Sadia's features at launch. Family Link, however, will be arriving so parents can control their gaming, uh, kids' gaming experience. Uh, when it comes to using your phone with Google Stadia, it won't need it all the time. However, you will need to make use of your phone or the initial setup and buying, and buying games. Uh, so yeah, that's a thing, all right? Yeah, I mean it's just it's just this deal gets worse all the time, right? Yeah, I the pro schedule hasn't been announced yet, and there won't be any Stadia Connect before a launch either, which is trying to find what exactly all these features are because I gotta admit I kind of just kind of didn't really follow Stadia all that much. Yeah, neither did I. I. I mean, mostly because of all the the worries or the fears or whatever I had about it, it just kind of stayed under my radar, despite Google being. Plus, I remember on live being a thing. Yeah. I mean, for as for the way that things are from a uh, internet perspective, I think Game Pass is the best one of these that exists by far. Oh, are we leading up to a segue? Why not? That wasn't what I was going for, but we can tell this segue. Um, you know, not only do they provide a, a huge library of games for uh, a low monthly price, currently at five dollars. Uh, when does it go up to ten? Is it the start? Of the uh, it's when they leave beta, whatever that okay. is. But the thing is that. Uh, where Stadia really shines is for people that don't have a gaming machine. But honestly, I'm just, I'm not seeing the overlap here of people that don't have a, at least a, you know, a gaming capable computer of running some games. Cause I realized, you know, my computer is old, but it's still able to run a fair chunk of titles to at least a, you know, a decent enough degree that I could play. Right. So, where's the overlap here of people that want a game but don't want to uh, buy a system? Trust Google enough to not shut this down. Want to most likely buy things at full price or close to it, yet still has a big enough internet connection and is close enough to the data centers to make this worthwhile. I, I really foresee a lot of just dead accounts with one or two games on it. Uh, you know, they tried the service and just found it, you know, not worth their time. College students. Mm. That's, that was what I thought True. of whenever you said that. But the overlap, but that's also assuming colleges don't block this because that would be eating up a lot. That's of That's true. It would. And I've never been to a college that had good internet I mean it's it's mostly because they have to share it with hundreds or thousands of people all the time but you know and also have stable internet because that's the thing once you start interacting jitter which 
we've been throwing out a fair bit of technical terms. The lag is essentially the Marco Polo effect. But uh, your uh, computer yells Marco, the server yells Polo, and it's the lag is the time between getting Polo back. All right. Yeah. And that could be increased by distance, but also the number of hops. There's never a direct connection between you and anything that's not on your local network. And every time something has to hand off something else, it introduces at least a minuscule amount of lag to a great deal, depending on just how overloaded that particular uh, hopping section is or that particular hop, that server, that switch, whatever it is. Jitter is how stable things are. So if you have an absolute perfect connection, it's always exactly this fast to this place. That's a jitter of zero. Any change in that number that you generate on lag or on your ping, I should say, it, that's your jitter. So if it you know, varies by one millisecond, that's a jitter of one. If it varies by 10, that's a jitter of 10. For web browsing, for even just calls like we're doing right now to record the podcast. A little bit of jitter, you know, not that big a deal. But when you start introducing more and more jitter, you start having problems with data streams. And you, and guess what's a big data stream? Gaming. How Gaming and particularly video gaming or video and gaming controls to said video game on some server somewhere in, you know, the evil dungeon of Google, right? So, yeah. Uh, I'm just... There's this weird Venn diagram here that I'm not sure where, you know, Stadia's actual customer base is or sustainable customer base is. I suppose we'll find out. If they meet their their targets, or if they shut it down, mm-hmm. yeah. And plus, they've already pissed off the consumers because uh, supposedly the people that bought into the Founders Edition was supposed to get in early, but hey, they added two different ones, uh, or two different tiers at the same time, and hey, pissed off the founders. The, yeah, the people that bought in for one hundred and fifty bucks. Well. Good job, Google. So let's go talk about the... Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, is, wait, is that screenshot real? I, I'm Sorry, I went to the uh, Stadia subreddit. Mm-hmm. Uh, They are asking for ICQ numbers. Uh, AIM screen names. <laughs> Interesting. I'm not sure if this is real or not, but it's hilarious if it is. I have well, SEQ, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Uh, is there any uh, other uh, links here that we failed to mention? I don't think so. I think so. we covered pretty yeah, much I think everything. We did. All right. Let's go talk about the uh, better subscription service. Um, yeah. I, damn it, I'm not on the right page. We're on the right tab. Yeah, so at the uh, Xbox Game Conference uh, this past week, they highlighted what's coming to the Xbox Game Pass, particularly console and PC. For the most part, PC is getting all or, or a good chunk of the games. It's just they often get them later, which 
Yeah, I'm fine with. I'm not particularly happy about, but yo, know, I'm still working through the Game Pass library anyway. And they're adding a shit ton of stuff. So they added five or six games right off the bat. Uh they added HM Empires 2 Definitive Edition. Um I'm mostly focused on PC. Hearts of Iron 4 Cadet Edition. Uh, Rage 2, The Talos Principle, and Tracks the Train Set game. <laughs> so there's, uh, you could have saved money for King. Huh? Yeah. If I had known two years ago that they were going to do this. Yep. He's, uh, plus, uh, they have Age of Wonders Planetfall, which will soon be coming to PC. It's already on console. Um, and that's the only one that's soon to come to PC out of that initial bunch. But what's really interesting is what's coming in the next year, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the links isn't working for me. Uh, the which one? Second one. Oh. Uh, I just pulled it up. Xbox Game Pass at OX or at XO nineteen. It's not yep. working for me. So, uh, well, that's what I was just reading off of. So. The interesting thing is what they're adding in later. So they're adding in the Final Fantasy franchise for both console and PC. Uh, that's, let's see, five, six, seven, eight remastered, nine, ten, ten, two, uh, twelve, thirteen, thirteen, two, Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy thirteen, and Final Fantasy fifteen. Uh, they're adding in do, 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 uh, the Yakazua uh, series at zero, one, and two. All right, I got it working. Uh, yay. yay. Um, Tekken 7, uh, they're adding more fighting games. Streets of Rage 4. Boy, that's a, that brings back Pandemic, that's fun. Uh, Pandemic's already oh, on. It? Uh, you have to focus on what's PC versus console here because some of the stuff that's on console is already oh, on okay. PC. Yeah, I literally just downloaded Pandemic like a few hours ago. Wow. Uh, the Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt's coming to console only so far. There is people thinking that that's going to come to PC as well. Life is Strange 2, Episodes 4 and 5 coming to console, which is weird, but it may already be partly on there already. Absolutely. So there's actually some really good stuff on Yeah, there. there's a lot of interesting, good-looking games coming, which makes me excited. I mean, I, I do... Darksiders yeah, 3? Yeah, I, I do like Forza, obviously, but once I branched out mm-hmm. from that and started playing more games on Game Pass... Yeah, I've pretty much uh, fizzled out on Forza now. I mean, there's only so much room you could do, yeah. right? But... I mean, they've just got so many titles on here. So many good titles. And it's... That's not even counting what they already have. Yeah, I mean... Over 100 games already. Mm-hmm. And it's a good way to deal with some of the uh, exclusive stuff. Because these are... I guess it just wasn't written into uh, part of the contract or whatever that they signed. And so because it's on Xbox, they can throw it up on PC. Yeah, and they're also bringing in more first-party stuff. Bleeding Edge, Grounded, Microsoft Flight Simulator, which got uh, Jim really excited. 
Minecraft dungeons, that uh, roguelite uh, Minecraft thing that looked yeah. interesting. Or or will the uh, in the will of the wisps, which is an interesting one. Tell me why, which is actually I was talking to Anita about this earlier. I didn't realize this was coming to Game Pass, or I didn't realize what it was. This is from Don't Nod, uh, Life is Strange developers, mm-hmm. and this is about a pair of identical twins, one of which is transgender, Ooh. and going into their memories and. Tr- uh, very uh, uh, yeah, don't nod style storytelling. That's interesting. So, uh, and, and it's going to, and they're saying that it's one of the first uh, you know, major studios that's done a transgender character. Which I gotta admit, I can't think of one that's a major studio. Not, yeah, least. neither can I. Uh, and Wasteland Three is also coming. So yeah, I didn't realize uh, some of these were coming on here. But yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on here, and yeah, I mean, we basically been praising this from the beginning because you know, okay, the client isn't exactly the greatest at times. Uh, there's been times that we've been fighting it, but overall, it's been pretty damn solid. Yeah. It's like a a solid like B plus A minus right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and considering for. The holidays, they're adding uh, to Game Pass uh, for PC, Darksiders 3, uh, Red, the Red Strings Club, which was a Twitch game, you know, like a year ago. The Halos. Uh, yeah, Halo, Halo Reach. Uh, Reach. Uh, Escapist 2, Vambrace the Cold, uh, Cold Soul, which I don't know. My friend Pedro. I mean, damn, yeah. right? It'll be interesting to see if we get The Witcher eventually. But even if we don't, you know, the Yakuza series is you know, well worth a look. Yeah, I'm, I'm most looking forward to, I think, the new Flight Simulator, um, Halo, mm-hmm. and some of the Final Fantasy stuff. But, I mean, there's quite a few things on this, this list if you went down it and were like, hey, are you, and does this look neat? I'd... I, more often, that would be like, yeah, that looks pretty cool. I'll check that out at some point. Well, I think I think the big thing is just how varied it is. Because yes, it is heavy on uh, JRPG because of of trains. We're gonna suplex a train. Well, we did have tracks the train game, so just give it a moment, and I'll restart the sentence. You may file when ready. So yes, while Game Pass is pretty heavy on its JRPGs coming up because of the Final Fantasy series and Yakuza series, there's still a very good variance of stuff on here. I mean, we have uh, fighting games, we have grand strategy. I mean, two major grand strategies uh, with different focuses. I mean, Hearts of Iron 4, I really liked, even though I never got terribly into it and never really picked it apart to be able to understand all the workings. But this would be a great way to try it out. And Age of Wonders Planetfall is actually supposed to be a pretty competent uh, 4X uh, like Civ-like game. That sounds interesting. I mean, I'm actually I'm actually pretty impressed with the overall variety of things. 
I hope Strange Brigade comes to PC and not just stays on console. That's an Strange Brigade has been an interesting looking game since I first saw it. I don't know that one off hand. Uh, what's that one? Uh, Strange Brigade is a third person action puzzle game, um, mm-hmm. where you're dealing with you know zombies and things like that, um, solving puzzles, getting treasure. It's got a good, cute art style. I've played it a little bit. It's fun. Well, it looks like it's leaving Game Pass on console, so that may not be great news for it. Sad day. Yeah. I mean, they do. Or they are starting to pull some of the games off, but it's not very many. On PC, we're lo- losing Abzu, or have lost Abzu. We lost... Uh, Oh, I'm blanking on the uh, essentially Dark Souls Safa. Oh, the Surge. The Surge, yeah, the Surge is gone. Uh, they're pulling Football Manager 2019, but it looks like they're going to be doing Football Manager 2020, or eventually do 2020, I should say. So yeah, I mean, they are exchanging things, but it also is yeah adding some new life and they're adding a hell of a lot more than they're removing. Yeah. I am uh, very excited to have game pass. Looking forward to continuing to support game pass much better than Google Stadia's idea. Yeah. I would say it's well worth the money so far. Indeed. So on to our final. So, uh, Oh, go ahead. Talking about big yeah. investments. On to our final news topic of the night. Sonic the Hedgehog movie reveals a new, less awful design. Sonic doesn't have weird, creepy human teeth anymore. He looks much closer to his video I game would representation. Say he's, yeah, I would say uh, uh, his entire face is redesigned because, okay, they didn't go for the full-on you know, Yuna-A that Sonic uh, has for some reason, but he looks... More like Sonic, and they didn't give them him this weird human esque face. Yeah, but also his overall proportions are a lot more like Sonic instead of this, or I should say, uh, classic Sonic, and not the modern Sonic where they like stretched him out for some strange reason. Yeah, I saw a, I think it was on Reddit on our best of. Where somebody was breaking down or challenging the idea that this was all a stunt and that they had the Sonic ready to go and just released him. Like anything is possible, yeah. but he was, you know, pointing out all of the ways that animation would work and things that you'd have to change. You couldn't just do like a you know, essentially like a palette swap. It was it was interesting. If I can find it, I'll Yeah, I would say yeah, I would say it's definitely not outside of the realm of possibility, but we are also looking at, it's been nearly a year since that initial trailer came out and they delayed it a fair amount of time. So there is a possibility that they reshot some things or they had multiple takes that they could use. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not wrapping myself in tinfoil just yet, but at the same time, uh, you know, I do think that there may be a possibility of that, and if it, you know, if that was a thing, it would come out eventually. Yeah, but they also felt like they, yeah, uh, maybe it's just the first trailer. It was so focused on Sonic 
but they didn't show how the movie was actually going to play out. Or I should say it was focused on Sonic's look and Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey. Because that's also something else is they didn't focus so much on Jim Carrey in this uh, secondary trailer. You saw him a couple times being you know, Jim Carrey. But you didn't have that laser focus on him. That you didn't. Yeah, I don't think Jim Carrey's going to do much in this movie. Aside from be there. Well, to be fair, that is pretty much what Jim Carrey does these days, right? That and uh, talks about how vaccines cause autism. No, 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 stop typing, Anita. I know they don't. <laughs> I thought that was a joke, though, that he, like, a thing that he said just to be weird, fucking weird to reporters. No, 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 no. Jim Carrey fell down gotcha. the rabbit hole. Well, that's sad. I thought we, I thought we went over this when we, uh, uh, when we talked about we this before. Did. Jim Carrey is an anti-vaxxer celebrity. probably did, and I just forgot. I did not file that information away. But, um, uh, Jim Carrey believes the MMR vaccine causes autism in 2009. Jim Carrey wrote an article questioning the merits of vaccination and vaccination research for the Huffington Post. He got infected, uh, uh, incidentally, if you're part of the turn of phrase by Jenny McCarthy. So there you go. Right. Patient zero of, uh, celebrity bullshit. I see. Well, we'll see if I remember this for next time we talk about it. Probably yeah, not, probably let's not. be honest. I gotta fill up that memory with really poorly written Mortal Kombat books. <laughs> You've been yep. reading that, haven't you? I read you? some more excerpts and then I actually started reading it proper. I'm not very far. I didn't get a lot of opportunity Uh-oh. to read, but... Oh, still in the backstory, or the yeah, back the backstory. Back yeah, for those who don't know, we did movie night, and I, I, I brought up that there was a novelization of that shitty movie. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk more about it. Which we'll talk more about that in a little bit. So anyway, back to Sonic. I mean, it seems like they really uh, have the humor a lot more spot on, at least for uh, some of the old cartoons. Yeah, and, and at least for the trailer. You know, it's so easy to bullshit your way through a trailer. But hopefully mm-hmm. the, the, the tone of the trailer much better matches the tone of the movie. Or the tone of the movie matches the tone of the trailer, maybe yeah. is the better way to say it. Because um, the, mm-hmm. the first trailer, it, even though it's, it's really hard, let's just kind of not think about Sonic in that for a minute. The first trailer wasn't super great. Made me feel like the movie was trying way too hard to be way too serious. I think it was uh, because it was set to Gangster's Paradise. Yeah, that's that's part of it. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here. As soon as they, uh, it's like, wait a minute, is that? Yeah, uh, you knew pretty much where this yeah. was going, huh? But yeah, I mean, it's quite amazing just the turnaround they've done on this. Now, the question is, does it turn into a good movie? Who knows just yet? Because yeah, you know, a trailer does not make a movie, nor vice right. versa. But it's gone up a couple of notches from uh, uh, there's no movie in Boston, say, to, okay, well, maybe I'll eventually watch it when it's yeah. on Netflix. Yeah, I, I went from I'm probably never going to see this to definitely watch it on Netflix, 
probably would rent it at like Redbox or on Amazon Video if I had a code. So it's moving on up. Yeah, the question is just, you know, how is it actually going to pan out? Because that is the, you know, that's the what? Well, that's, you know, Jared dropping nope. from the call. That would that's be Craig. That would be. Oh, that. Uh, Craig, damn you. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I'll probably end up at least looking at it and I'll keep an eye on just how it's reviewed because that's kind of the big thing right now. Because, you know, it's still Jim Carrey. So, you know, is it 90s Jim Carrey or is it new crazy Jim Carrey? Or crazy, not funny Jim Carrey? I was going to say 90s Jim Carrey was pretty crazy, but he was funny. He's not really funny anymore. Yeah. So, moving on from the slightly less weird Sonic movie to our weekly community corner. Um, we have uh, to something slightly more. We have more a weak. letter from Ghosts discussing the new uh, Jedi Fallen Order game, um, and then we will talk a little bit about our community movie night. Um, do you want to? Well, also, a yeah. little bit about the game. So Fallen Order has been a pleasant surprise for me so far. I'm going to do my best to be vague and spoiler-free about this on the chance that anyone picks it up. The best way I've described it is this. World-hopping mission in the vein of Mass Effect, elements of Tomb Raider, and the way you move across and through the terrain in combat reminiscent of Dark Souls. I know someone's ears just perked up at that, but I'll get back to it in a minute. Much of the game has you scaling cliffs, climbing foliage, or jumping across large chasms. The game does a good job of unlocking new abilities through storyline, but a plus, or minus, depending on how you look at it, is that the game blocks off parts of each map with areas that require abilities unlocked later in the game, so you can't 100% apply it the first time you arrive. I haven't really played enough of the game to know if there's a plot-based reason for this, or if it's something to keep achievement hunters and collectors busy. Each planet feels very different from the next, with one exception. Every location you visit seems to be in the middle of the craggiest series of small plateaus on the given world. It's pretty clear that it's to utilize all of the jumping and climbing mechanics, but aside from that, the color palette and flora fauna are very diverse between worlds. Another plus I have for the game is the story and lore. The story immediately sets the tone for the state of the galaxy and shows off the coldness and efficiency of the Empire. From the little bit I have played, I found some interesting links to other sources in the Star Wars canon, as well as adding new bits to the overall story. A personal favorite of mine is the ship the player and their crew flies in. The Mantis is a sleek, angular ship, and while definitely not practical in any realistic sense, but I'm a sucker for asymmetrical designs. Plus, due to your pilot landing on the smallest landing sites possible, you get an awesome view out of the panoramic glass-bottom cockpit. Now, onto the thing that I'm least happy about in the game. Combat. As stated earlier, it has a Dark Souls vibe to it. Fighting with enemies is a rhythm game of block, break, and attack. It requires you to read the enemies, learn their patterns, and prepare the right attack for them, something I'm not very good at. My style of lightsaber combat is essentially wading into the middle of a swarm, swinging a flurry of lightsaber blades until my enemies are in pieces, or at least that was my style in the older Jedi Knight series, where the main issue of timing was just two swings first and faster. I'm not saying that the combat system is bad, it's just not for me. I've been killed by the same mini-boss at least 20 times and still haven't figured out how to take him down. Now when you do manage a good kill, like breaking a big block, you're rewarded with a nice action scene, but so far those have been few and far between. All in all, I think this is a great game, which is a surprise given the publisher. I haven't encountered any game-breaking bugs, and it runs clean on my system. 
there's no pay to win or scummy microtransactions, but that's probably due to it being a single player game. I may have some issues once I uncover more of the game world and storyline, but as of right now, I have to say that it's a pretty solid addition to the Star Wars franchise. I stayed pretty tempered about my hopes, and thus far I have not been disappointed. The only major issue with that, ha that I have with the game mainly has to do with me being bad at the game. If I had to rate this, I'd give it four double-bladed lightsabers and a Yoda-sized one. So about four and a quarter out of five stars. Yeah, so it's interesting to have an actual, sounds like, pretty damn good Star Wars game that isn't yeah. on racing. Um, what's the last one of those? Uh, the KOTORs were good. I mean, they had their flaws, but they were good games. Um... It's kind of crazy. You would think that EA, the company, the, the evil corporation that's known for, you know, milking things to death, would have milked the Star Wars license more, but they haven't really done much no. with it, have they? It's kind of disappointing. It's extremely huh? disappointing. I mean, I guess the Old Republic could also be considered a decent game. I mean, it is an MMO, but Honestly, it sounds like most of the time, whenever people are playing it, they're just trying to get through the story for each particular class, and that's about it, unless they're really, really invested in Star Wars yeah. universe. Um, I've played The Old Republic some. <laughs> it's pretty all right. I mean, it's basically KOTOR plus yeah. MMO, which makes it a bit of a slog, actually, if you're just running the story. I mean, it's not a terrible experience, but it's not a great one either. So, yeah, it's just... What's the other good Star Wars games? Is there really just that? that for modern Star or modern um, gaming? Battlefront 2, the... I guess it's Battlefront 2 Classic now. Although that's not exactly modern. Because uh, that's like 15 years old now, give or take. Um... Star Wars Empire at War, which was their real-time strategy game, but that was like yeah, 10 I years mean, old or I more. mean, that should show you what EA's doing. Yeah, that should show you what EA's doing with the license. Whenever uh, whenever they do Battlefront, uh, they you know, put out a half-assed one, then they put out another one, then pull down the ire of the U.S. government for loot boxes. Because remember, that's what started the whole mess with the government looking into things. Or I should Sense say the pride U.S. government. An accomplishment. <laughs> the Lego Star oh. Wars games are good. When did the Lego Star Wars games come out? Um. Uh. Well, there's a new one coming out next year, but the last one was. So there's the complete saga. Is that the episodes one through six? Yeah, episodes one through six. That was 2009. Well, yeah. Well. Yeah, well, there's also one coming out for the uh, the Star Wars, the Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga, which I'm assuming is going to be All the entire nine films. Nine yeah. films. So yeah, even that, there's just there's not a lot of really good Star Wars for one of the biggest movie franchises in you know, Hollywood. It's just what the yeah. hell, right? Public Commando was good. That came out in 2009. No, 2005. Yeah, fuck EA. There's so much you can do in the Star Wars universe as well. Well, bef uh, before or after uh, uh, Disney said, eh, no. Yes, 
There's so much you can do. But it's being squandered by EA. I don't know why they have to have one company doing everything. Because that's the thing, is that why? Why is EA the one that gets everything? Let's put it this way. Okay, I just want to double check. Star Wars is the fifth highest ranking on media franchises of all time. Highest grossing. All right. I mean, it's not far behind Mickey Mouse, so that should tell you what Disney has these days. Huh? Yeah. But, you know, I, I, well, oh, sorry. Oh, wait. Uh, Dis- Disney actually has Winnie the Pooh as well, so they have three, four, and five. What's the top two, if you're wondering, is Pokemon and Hello Kitty. All right. Pokemon, I could see. I did not realize Hello Kitty was that big. Oh, it's really popular in Japan and, well, really Asia. Let's see. Uh, the biggest, actually, video game focused one would be uh, the Mario franchise. Because that is outdoing Pokemon on pure video game sales. But a lot of uh, Pokemon stuff is merchandising. You know, merchandising. Mm-hmm. So, I, uh, yeah, we'll see, uh, um, the part where he talks about, uh, there's no pay to win or scummy microtransactions, but that's probably due to it being a single player game. I read that and before the show, and I was like, I mean, they don't, EA doesn't have a problem ruining single player games with microtransactions and bullshit, so I'll believe that when it lasts. Yes, the transformation is complete. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about the more Dark Souls-esque combat. Um, I probably just need to check it out before, uh, before I could pass judgment on that. Cause Dark Souls, you know, the, the Dark Souls of whatever, you know, like that sort of, is trope the right way to say it at this point? Uh, I, I, I'll allow. Yeah, you know that sort of tr- or that trope as it's becoming is is getting sort of broader and broader. So, the idea of of slower, more methodical combat um, doesn't necessarily screen Dark Souls to me. But you know, having not played it, I can't say for sh- for certain. Well, for well for me, uh, Dark Souls combat would actually kind of work. In a uh, in a Star Wars game, I'm not sure about this one, just because to me, Star Wars battles, especially lightsaber battles, are all about getting that one opening in before you slice somebody's arm off. I think that's fair, you know, And and in between that is a bunch of uh, fancy flips, uh, flips, jumps, and getting the high ground. Definitely, if you're going to be doing lightsaber stuff, for sure. So I could see it working there. But doing it well without it relying on, uh, yeah, magical metal that, hey, uh, is the one thing in the universe that's able to stop a, a lightsaber. Everybody has armor made out of it. Yeah. Cortosis. That's super rare mm-hmm. in the universe. But yeah. But yeah, it just depends on how it's done, which is, yeah. 
But I could see a Dark Souls-esque uh, fighting system working where you're having to man stamina. You have to try to get that one shot in. But also, if you're going to do lightsaber battles, maybe it's just me, but you need to go all in and have full-on dismemberment. Yeah. And, I, okay, you could get away from blood and just say, okay, the lightsaber cauterizes the wound. Fine. But, yo, I want to see arms flying. I, I want to see... Yo, yo, just this pinata effect of just the, whenever a, a Jedi or, or yo, a hidden Jedi, I guess in this case, is going through a horde of enemies, it better look like the, uh, they went through a blender and all the chunks just fell out. Because a, an enemy just, you know, kind of falling over going, oh, you got me. Yeah. I mean, this isn't Mortal Kombat after Ew. all. I'm looking to see <laughs> if the the previous single player, you know, sort of Jedi, whatever, which is Star Wars The Force Unleashed. I'm looking to see if that had any kind of dismemberment. I know it didn't have, like, graphic stuff, uh, but my brain is telling me that it did have dismemberment. Well, I remember The Force Unleashed, they were talking a lot about the manipulation of elements of the uh, of the level, so... A lot of deformation, a lot of, uh, at least in the tech demos, I'm not sure if it ever, you know, actually made it to the final game, but, uh, have it where wood would realistically splinter, uh, and burn, have cloth realistically ripple, which that should tell you how long ago that game was. Uh, but uh, that's another thing that we could really get into is just how games are kind of physics wise, kind of, boring these days we haven't had a leap forward in in-game physics or in-game deformation like half-life 2 did back in what 2001 yeah uh for a long time have we no i mean think about it. we have we haven't had uh terrain deformation deformation we haven't had really uh even trees are you know impervious to things uh outside of the first far cry right or crisis i mean no, no, I, I think it was both actually. Uh, they both had it where you could eventually shoot down a tree. Yeah, I remember that. And Far Cry, and I think Far Cry Two as well, and in Crisis. Yeah, but yeah, but they don't do that anymore. <laughs> you would think, uh, you know, there would be more AI, there would be more things to do in the world, but nope, it's prettier and prettier graphics because that's what sells. And I am a grumpy old man, and you should get the fuck I'm off also a grumpy long. old man. I mean, I do like when graphics look nice, but I'd rather the game be better than just look nicer. But anyways, I, there's there's some people saying there is dismemberment, and some people saying there isn't in Forced Unleashed. So, I don't know. My brain is telling me that well, there was dismemberment, but I could be misremembering. Maybe it was different uh, regions. Possibly. Or it could be different versions of the game, you know, like the standard edition there was or was not, well, uh, the Guild well, edition, the other one was true. Well, I was thinking, like, Germany. Yeah. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, well, region. I mean, I knew, I knew what you meant, but I was I was following a different thread as well. But that could be it. That could be it. Uh, it looks like there's uh, decapitations under certain, certain circumstances and partial dismemberment, so not exactly uh, full dismemberment, but eh. 
So there you go. Sweet. So thanks for sending this that in, Ghosty Goo. I will probably talk to you more about it uh, at a later time. Um, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. There was one thing. He sent me a quick message on Discord to make sure that I had actually gotten the letter he sent in, because sent in last minute. And he said one thing he forgot to mention was that the game encourages you to play with a controller, and he was playing keyboard and mouse. So he's thinking some of the issues he might have had were were because he wasn't using a controller. So. Yeah, which for, if it's uh, focused on lightsaber battles, which I'm actually not sure if it is, I don't have a problem with it being uh, controller focused. But, yeah. If it has a lot of ranged combat, then that could be a bit of a bugbear for me. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let's talk about what we did for Community Game Night slash Movie Night. Uh, we watched Mortal Kombat, the 1995 uh, movie based loosely on the Mortal Kombat video game. Um, we mostly just made fun of it the whole way through. All <laughs> Yeah, we went for MST2K. All three of us had seen it before, so we weren't really concentrating... Um, and we had, you know, parts where we would make fun of it and make snarky comments, and then we would talk about, you know, bad CGI or what had or had not held up, things like that. I had a great time. That was that was good fun. Didn't require too much brain power. I loved it. So I I think. And I had a big thing of popcorn. <laughs> I think we'll be doing more movie nights in the future. We won't just watch shitty video game movies, although there were a couple that were suggested. Um. We'll watch some other better movies as well. And not just exclusively video game movies. That's not the only movies we'll pick from. Because most of those are between bad and horrendous. Oh, uh, do we have to do Mario Brothers now? Since that was uh, Jim I brought really it up don't several times. To. I hate Mario Brothers. <laughs> I, I, my Mortal Kombat, I like in, you know, uh, like... The combination of nostalgia and like I'm laughing at it, not with it. You know, I like it in that way. But Mario Brothers just is weird and makes me sad. Well, look at it this way. Uh they were drunk the entire time making that turd. That's uh Yeah. Uh John Hopkins uh talked about it at one point. Uh I believe it was after he did uh Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Ooh, that's one we can yeah. do. Um, I mean, it's not a video game movie, but uh, there was a video game based on the movie, so I'll allow it. I don't remember all the ones that Jim that video Jim game. said. He suggested several. Uh, he brought up Dune a few times. Uh, Warcraft. Warcraft. Dune would be good. Would I would. Rather watch Dune than Warcraft. Are we going to do the sequel to Mortal Kombat? Oh god, I don't have it. <laughs> the sequel, the, the first Mortal Kombat is not a good movie, but it's kind of fun and silly and funny. The second one is just bad all the way through. It's just no good. They changed most of the cast out. Spoiler alert, Johnny Cage dies in literally like the first scene of the movie. That's all right. I don't like and it's, and anyway. he's a different he's actor. On autograph. Did they at least like try to hide it and you know, have like his sunglasses no. on the entire time? 
Uh-uh. He gets... <laughs> oh, so they didn't pull back to the no, future No, he gets killed it. immediately by the Emperor dude. And he's just <laughs> laying there, and it's like, you're not even close to looking the same. You'd think they would at least try to get a look-alike, yeah. huh? I guess they just didn't care enough. I don't blame him. It's a really shitty movie. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely watch some more movies. For sure. Do, yeah, what's the plan for I next week? I don't know yet. Um, question. Like, when we made fun of Mortal Kombat the entire time, but what are your, you know, how do you feel about it? What do you think about it? Uh, it's a thing. I mean, I, I don't really have a strong opinion for the movie itself. Because it's been so long since I watched it, and it was more just something to make fun of than anything. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of this uh, time capsule of you know early to mid nineties movie making, though, because there was a few things I noticed, like all the Dutch angles, all the you know the special effects uh, for half the movie was, hey, we have a fog machine, let's use a that. fog machine and blue lights. Mm-hmm. And bad CGI. And we'll tilt the camp. Well, I wasn't gonna. I was gonna knock the CGI that much because it, uh, video game movies up until uh, some point in the future, I uh, haven't really been considered high art. So they've never really gotten the budget to really do them justice. So to try to do something with Mortal Kombat, which let's be honest. Yes, there's a story of Mortal Kombat. I would say 99.9999% of the people don't give a shit about most of the story outside of maybe the story surrounding their favorite character. Yeah. But to at least make an attempt of it, I got to give them some kudos for that. Now, to be fair, when they were shooting this thing, according to IMDb, they didn't have a set script, so... I think that says a lot of it in that they added to the ending to add the hook for the sequel. Uh, at least, once again, according to IMDb. So, it is part of studio meddling as well. So, yeah, it's. I don't think it's terrible, but it's not good either. It's a thing. Do, 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 do. I'm waiting on my... And also, and also, I do know that at least one of the actors insisted on doing their own stunts and they were not good at it. <laughs> Which they? one was it? I believe it was. Oh Sonya's yeah. Actor. No, she was Her bad. Actor, sorry. She was the worst. Yeah. And she insisted on doing her own stunts to get you know that extra pay. Yeah. The, the actor who played Luke Kang was good. The actor who played Johnny Cage was decent, but Sonya, Oh, well, that's the thing, is that Johnny Cage was cheesy and he was bad, but he was also supposed to be that way. So he was actually the best character in that movie because he was, like, written perfectly as a character for a movie that yeah. bad. <laughs> so whenever, people, whenever like, Jim was making fun of him saying, oh, she, uh, I think she came this way, or yeah, she definitely came this way, and he was cutting through all the mm-hmm. cobwebs. That's not something to make fun of, uh, you know, the bad writing for, because that's perfect for yeah, that character. That's absolutely he's oblivious perfect. and kind of dumb. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is like the perfect character moment yeah. for him. But, 
So I would say Johnny Cage is actually the best character in the movie just because he's like, yo, know, the perfect character for that type of movie. Even though he's a total douche. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it was kind of funny him dropping the autograph. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I said this already, but I, you know, I, I like it. Um, you know, it's, it's decently fun to, especially when you've got people where you can kind of poke fun of it at or to make fun of it yourself. Um, I don't, I probably won't ever watch it again by myself. If I'm in another situation where it's like, hey, you want to just turn something on in the background that's a little silly and that we can watch and laugh at occasionally, you know, it would, it would be good for that. It would go up for that, but. I'm, I mean, I don't think I'll ever, I won't say ever, but I don't think I'll watch it for quite a while by myself. So, um, the question, so you asked, what are we going to do next week? Got a couple of ideas. We yep. could do more movies, which sounds like a, a blast to me. Um, and if we went for video game movies, probably the next one I would suggest would be, What's oh, a slightly better? Well, Doom came up a couple of times. Doom is. Oh, Doom! That's do what I was thinking Doom? of. I don't have. I don't have Doom, do Doom, but surely by Monday, one of us can get it and spread it around. Wink. Ew. There's a there's a new one too. Doom Annihilation. And it's is it a live action movie? I think it is. Oh, 3.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Doom has got the... Oh, that's that's celluloid cancer right there. The first Doom has got the rock in it. Or the first Doom movie, I should say. It's got the rock in it. Uh, Looks like it's not the well, original, but the 2005 is not available on any streaming site. Nice. <laughs> I'm, I might have it and just have never ripped it. Like it might have fallen down somewhere or gotten buried in my stack of discs mm-hmm. that I have left. So I'll look for it there to see if I've got it. Cause I did have the unrated, whatever the unrated version was called, which is a little bit longer and it's got a couple scenes where breasts are exposed for our pleasure. And also the first person scene is longer, which I, I, I have went back and watched specifically the first person scene it doesn't. It doesn't hold up. <laughs> but yeah, well, uh, let's watch Doom. Let's watch Doom next week. Alrighty. Yeah. So I get. Well, I'll, we'll have a copy before. Then now uh, let's go for the theme song. Doobly do with the discovery queue. Did you actually get something before you left? Uh, no. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. Because that would be preparing and you are against that so i got unity of command 2 i didn't realize there was a unity of command let alone 2 but a 4x world war 2 strategy game uh looks like it's a bit civish doesn't it uh unity of command uh, 2 as the sequel to the one of the most critically acclaimed strategy games of all time a game critics called a perfect gateway into computer war games overall it looks like it's pretty well rated and i have to admit i never heard of this game so it may be just one of those games that slipped through the radar nice 
Um, I got one, Kingdom Under Fire 2. Looks like an MMO RTS Dynasty Warriors type game. Um, now, do they have uh, power metal? I don't know. But it's it's set in a, a fantasy world. A uh, very magical fantasy world. Um, I, mean, I mean, it looks pretty neat. I like the, you know, I like Dynasty Warriors. I like RPGs. I like real-time strategies. So if they mix it all together all right, then, then that's pretty cool. Well, I got something that's pretty shitty. The Legend of Bumbo. And I say pretty shitty because it is literally full of shit because it's by Edmund McMillan. So if you know his game's Binding of Isaac, there's a lot of feces in there. And it is a roguelite prequel to the original Binding of Isaac. Made of cardboard, and it's a deck builder puzzle game. It's interesting. It's telling the story of one of the characters in the game, and it's something different. So, yeah, very different, actually, and has a very unique art style to it. Hmm. So, if you're a fan of Edmund McMillan or want to see some backstory or just want something completely and utterly insane, well, there you go. Alrighty. I got uh, another one, Dragon Quest Builders 2. So, originally these games were, I think, only on Switch. Um, so I'm very happy to see at least the second one coming to PC. It's a um, block building, sort of Minecraft-esque RPG. And uh, I'm a sucker for those types of games. And it's cute looking. I also like things that are cute looking. So well, I got... On that and- one. I got an early access title, uh, Wilder Myth. Uh, we call it Wilder Myth, a myth-making tactical RPG. It empowers you to craft iconic characters who grow through deep, rewarding battle and interactive story. So, strategic, uh, almost a Final Fantasy Tactics-esque combat mixed with an overarching world. Uh, it looks like a very much a Final Fantasy Tactics esque game, only hopefully without yeah you know, all the slog that that we get at the beginning of the game. So interesting to say the least. It has a bit of a almost paper esque uh, art style, doesn't it? Where everything looks like kind of two D. Looks kind of neat. Does indeed. Does indeed. Um. You got another one? Not yet. Well, I got one. Death Standing. (laughs) Uh, uh, Kojima bullshit. Uh, I think that's about as much as I could say about it, because I have no idea what the ever-living fuck's going on with this. Uh, It's coming out in uh, the summer of 2020, at least on PC, on Steam, I should say. Yep. I think it's out on consoles now, isn't it? It is. It's out on PS4, if you have a PS4. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, uh, wait and see and see if people could decode what the ever-loving fuck's going on with, uh, uh, you know, the stomach babies and the weird rain and maybe by 2020 we'll actually know what the what the hell's going on. Yeah, based on what I've seen, I don't know how, if I would like it or not, because I don't like games that waste my time. 
and it seems like this game is full of a lot of time-wasting bullshit, but if that's like the point of the, of the game, because it seems like a lot of it is sort of a walking simulator type thing, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. The jury's out for man. So I'd have to play it or... Well, tell me about The Road to Your City. Right. Uh, the Road to Your City is a city building and management game with a heavy emphasis on football. Slipping into the role of mayor, you are tasked with establishing a successful football club and developing it from grassroots to world-class powerhouse. So an interesting little spin or caveat uh, on the city building and management game So genre. you're trying to essentially build up uh, the infrastructure around a stadium that's interesting right yes that is how i read and view that odd. uh speaking of odd i have ratopolis a deck building i want to say tug of war style uh strategy game where you are a building up a city of rats to try to defend it. Uh, I'm not sure if you're the mayor or king of rats or what, but uh, it's interesting. I mean, there's quite a bit of room still for a lot of deck builder games. So it looks like it has some very interesting choices as well, where not just deck building, but some sort of proper city-esque management as well going on. Very odd and very interesting. It is in early access, though, but it's also 15 bucks, so it's not terribly expensive either. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, is this... Alright. I'm copying a link right now. Game of Thrones Winter is Coming. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Say no more. Say no more. Oh, oh no. Um, I don't. I I looked at this for a minute. I don't think it might be, but I don't think this is like the browser. One of these games. Um, free to play strategy. It might be though. Uh, free to play strategy that throws so many red flags. Yeah, there's there's three or four of these really shitty like free to play air quotes strategy. I game think there's one that's games. on my phone that uh, keeps getting updated. I can't uninstall it because uh, fucking AT and T. I mean, I do love Game of Thrones, um, but I just there's not been a good Game of Thrones game made yet, and I doubt it's. Uh, this yes, one. there has. Uh, yes, there has. It's called a mod for. Uh, uh, Crusader Kings. Oh, didn't know that. I've got Crusader Kings or uh, Crusader Kings Two. Oh, uh, Cru- Cru- well, Crusader Kings Two. I mean, but uh, I'm just seeing what this is because this is a port of a JRPG that's never been released to the West. So that's a, a interesting one to begin with, huh? Yeah. So, Romancing Saga 3. This is a... I'm wanting to say a, a SNES game, but I was looking to see if I could find out exactly. Uh, yeah, Super Famicom. So, it did see a port to the PlayStation 2. And... Uh, uh, still in Japan. Oh, it looks like it actually did come to North America 
after, oh, 10, 15 years. But this is, oh, this, oh, sorry, that's the original. This, I'm not even talking about three here. So I'm not sure just if this requires foreknowledge of the other games in this series or not. But yeah, always seeing you know, interesting things coming to the West, especially after so long. Oh no, I just saw what you put on. Uh, after such a long time, it's interesting, especially since usually these games aren't terribly updated and you get like this time capsule of just old game mechanics. And it actually still looks pretty decent because, you know, it's in that SNES era where, you know, the 2K, 2D games really hold up really, really well. Mm-hmm. So, let's get this over with. Putin Life. Putin Life, a game that allows you to feel not only the leader of the Russian Federation, but perhaps the lord of the world, Rob Steele and Slave. And no, that's exactly what it says. I did not screw that up. Um, I don't know what this game is. Uh, its tags are Casual RPG Strategy Simulation Andy 2D. Has like the, the top tags right here. Uh, but uh, I mean, th- I mean, this game is absolute shit. I mean, oh yeah, absolutely, it is absolute shit. But I saw it and I just couldn't resist after uh, the special request to talk about bullshit. Um, the. <laughs> A lot of the, I guess, photoshops or whatever type of artwork this is looks a lot better than uh, all the no, screenshots. No, no, this is no, this is MS Paint. Yeah, better than all the MS Paint bullshit. This is, yeah, weird. But I couldn't resist today. I am gonna firmly hit ignore on this though and carry on with my life. Yeah, well, oh, I have God. one that's very interesting. I have a VR title, and I usually skip over these, but this time I'm going to make it an exception because I think Jim would like this. Thief Simulator. Become a thief in VR. Feel the thrill of stealing in free roam sandbox neighborhoods. Use lockpicks, high-tech hacking tools, observe your target, gather information, and hide from the police, or drive a car like crazy to get out of trouble. So... It's essentially something I kind of always wanted, only it's a VR version of it, which was an open world, just, you know, do what you want, Thief Simulator. I mean, we have some like that, but never anything that's, you know, really focused on kind of the nitty gritty, gathering intel and everything. So it's interesting to see it come up. And it actually looks like it's doing fairly well in review. So, you know, this is maybe a hint that maybe we're finally getting out of the VR experience bullshit and getting into some actual proper gameplay. And speaking of actual proper gameplay, let's skip Jared and just continue on. No? Okay. Um, so I got uh, got an interesting little one. Bears Vodka and... Bo- I don't know how to say this. Bali Laka? It's a third-person arcade shooter where you play as a Russian bear with an AK-47 and a guitar. Or is that a loot? And you kill Nazis. I'm all in on that. That's that's all I have to say about that. Well, I'm going to have to just go with this one then because I don't really have anything. Devil Slayer Rescue. A top-down... 
ARPG with roguelike elements and intuitive souls-like fighting. Soul fight. I mean, it actually doesn't look that bad overall, but yeah, it's just, yeah, there's a lot of these uh, particular types of games, even though not exactly in this perspective, so maybe that's something that could, you know, it could get away with. It's also pretty damn cheap. It's 10 bucks, and but it's in early access. That was the last one I had on my list that I pulled was Devil Slayer Rax- Raxassi. All right, well, ooh. Well, I still have three more on my list, and I'm going to have to definitely talk about this one. Okay. I got SD Gundam G Generation Cross Race. All right. I think I said that correctly. So we have a Gundam game that shows really no gameplay. It's coming out in a week. Uh, Full price title. I'm just quickly looking at the trailer to see what type of game this is. Skip, skip. So, looks like third-person fighting. So, yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of Gundam or Mecha in general, well, here you go, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean Gundam is... It wasn't the the original uh, Mecha game, or Mecha uh, anime, I don't think. But it's one of the most prolific and most well-known. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's see, uh, Beyond Creation for, so, yeah, it looks like uh, it's a 3D uh, fighting game with, or turn-based, uh, they have RPG turn-based strategy mecha, or mechs and anime are listed as their default tags, with, oh, that's a lot of different series it covers with uh, mechs, there's one, what, like 20 different series in that? So, hey, if you like Gundam, there you go. I like Gundam. Well, there you go. There I go. And that is the last worthwhile one on my uh, list. I had two real stinkers at the end, so I am done. Cool. Well, then that means it's time for you, Rage, to hit them with the socials. Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on YouTube, Gaming with Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, Gaming with CR. Or if you wish to be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage there as well. And you've been? Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes at Gaming Psychologist, on Twitter at JMA4707, and on Steam at JArthur4707. And if you wish to know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Mortal Kombat! <laughs> oh, come on, I had to, right? Yeah. Uh, so, as always, you could reach us, bglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or just tweet us, bglpodcast, on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this absolute madness possible. To find out more, go to patreon.com slash bglpodcast. And we do have our patrons to thank for our Podbean, bglpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the RSS uh, feed, the show notes, links to all our stuff online, or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your catcher, podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kim McLeod, and doobly doo is our discovery key music by the same artist. You can find his work at incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. 
på vejen. See you next time. Bye bye.